Hey, put your hands together and thank God and welcome Mike Mason as he comes this morning. Well, good morning. Well, that's some awesome worship. Gosh, Jeff, you do it every time, brother. Uh, God's always on time, isn't he? Never fails. Always on time. Uh, well, Happy New Year. That's pretty weak. Who stayed up late last night? And that's what I thought. Uh, Keith is right. 30 years. We don't look it, do we? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, besides my wife, Christy, Keith is my best friend. And I'm not talking about Facebook friend, Twitter friend, text friend, or what other kind of friend. I'm talking about Keith is a real friend for 30 years. Keith is the kind of person that loves me just like I am, tells me like it is, tells me like it's not, gets in my face when I need to be gotten in my face, and he's always there. It's hard to find those friends today, isn't it? Everybody agree? Very hard to find those friends. And... Back in September, God began to do some work in my life, uh, some pretty big-time work. Not only some work, but he began to challenge me in my relationship to him. Now, we're sitting here at the beginning of 2012, and I'd probably venture to say that some of us are facing some pretty major decisions this year. Maybe a job, maybe a relationship. It may be where you want to go to college. There may be something that you're facing this morning that you're standing at the crossroads on. Maybe you're just trying to figure out personally where your life is going. I've been there. Maybe as a believer, you're asking God, what is it that you really want from my life? Well, this morning, I have a personal word, and I have a word from God. But I don't care where you are this morning in your relationship, where you are, what crossroads you're standing at, I've got some good news this morning. It comes from God's word. Sorry about that. One of my life verses, my, my life verse, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 11. This is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon, 70 years are up and not a day before, I will show up and take care of you as I did what? Promised. And bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. How many of you here this morning are standing at the beginning of 2012 hoping for a good future? We all are. And what does God's word say that he's going to do? He's going to bring us back home. He's going to take care of us, not abandon us. And he's going to do what? Give us the future that we what? Hope for. This morning as I was standing in my daughter's bathroom getting ready, you know these little flip things you have, the days of the month and that kind of thing. This is what I read, a quote from Johnny Erickson Tata, God specializes in things fresh and firsthand. His plans for you this year may outshine those of the past. He's preparing to fill your days with reason to give him praise. Are we not standing here at the beginning of 2012 needing to praise our God? Well, if we've got to do that, there's... We've got to find some way to connect with God, to get in sync with what God wants us to do. And that's where we're going this morning. So if you'll pray with me, please. Father God, I come to you this morning and I thank you for saving me. I thank you for the cross. I thank you this morning that the manger is empty, the cross is empty, and the tomb is empty, and that Jesus Christ is alive.
as we stand here, Father, at the beginning of a new year, may we wait expectantly for the hope that you have for us and let you do your work in our life. For we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got a girl that I know who's been dating this guy for a while. Nice guy, neat guy, good-looking guy. Relationship has really been growing. They've really been connecting. They've really been finding out they like the same things. They're doing the same things. Man, the relationship is just so strong. It's growing. In fact, she's even thinking that he may be the what, girls? He may be the one. The one she could spend the rest of her life with. She's just excited. But all of a sudden, for some reason, the relationship hits kind of a lull. And he's not treating her like he used to. He's gotten to be kind of distant, kind of distracted by the relationship. And she's wondering, what's going on? What have I done? I can't think of anything I've done. So she finds the right time, and she asks him, look, can you give me some idea? What's going on in the relationship? It's not as strong as it was. And these are his exact words. You know, right now, I'm struggling in my mind. For a long time, I've had this idea of a girl that I want to spend my life with. She's a hot chick. She's athletic. She's into fashion. And right now, I'm just trying to settle in my mind whether I need to settle for you or wait for my dream girl. Now, now don't get me wrong. I like my relationship. I like you. I care a lot about you. But right now, I just need some time. Now, if she was your friend, what's the advice? It may be, girlfriend, you know love takes time. Relationships that are meaningful take time. It's, they've got to grow. Sometimes they need this time. Well, I'm a daughter of three girls. I've married two, and I've seen some of this. And I got two words of advice for her. Dump him. Okay, dump him. Anybody agree? I, that's what I thought. Now, she thinks about it for a minute, and she says, you know what, I really like you, and I like what's going on in our life, but I'm going to make this decision very easy for you. Bye. Now, I don't think there's anybody in here this morning that wants anybody to settle for them, is there? Like we're the next best thing, like we're the crumbs of after the goodies gone, or, or maybe when you go around and find everything else and you come back and I'm here. I don't think we want that, do we? We want somebody that is crazy about us, willing to give up everything to spend time with us and have a relationship with us. Would you agree? I don't think anybody in here this morning wants to enter a relationship, girl or guy, with a dude like this. If you are, Keith has a counseling session this afternoon right after the service, okay? Now, let's take this a little further, and let's compare this to our relationship with God. You know, God has two things to say to us this morning. That He is crazy in love with us. Okay? He says, I'm crazy in love with us, and I'm going to prove it to you. Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath. And that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them to serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a what? Jealous God. Not, he's jealous for you, not of you. He is jealous. In fact, the Hebrew word for jealous here is reserved exclusively for God. It's never used for any human person. So is God serious about being crazy in love with you this morning? You better believe he is. 
Look what else he says in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Okay, we good? All right. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in the sacrificial death while we were what? Of no use to him whatsoever. When you had no thought about God, when God didn't mean anything to you, when you were doing your own thing and running your own life, God says, I put my love on the line for you and my son, Jesus Christ. We were of no use, but God still loved us. So is God crazy in love with us this morning? You better believe he is. But not only did God say that I'm crazy in love with you, he also gives us a word about how crazy he wants us to be in love with him. Matthew 10, 37-38. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What's the key word here? Worthy. What does worthy mean? Worthy means to be deserving of. God said, if you put any relationship ahead of me, you're not worthy of me. You say, Mike, those are some strong words, aren't they? You better believe they are. Surely God just put this in there as an illustration, right? No, this is what? This is the word of God, the breathed word of God. When he says, I am, I am not worthy of him, if I put any relationship ahead of him, he means it. And he has every right to, because look what he did. He forsook nothing for us, right? To be crazy in love with us. So is God crazy in love with us this morning? You better believe he is. As we're growing up, we all have plans of what we want to be when we grow up, where we want to live, what kind of car we want to drive, what kind of college, college we want to go to, War Eagle. And as we grow up, these plans do what? They change. You know, you may be sitting here this morning, college student, one of our student, where are you going to college? You're taking courses right now to decide what you want to do when you grow up. Some of you may be living your dream this morning that you visioned from years ago. Some of you may be sitting here in the morning chasing that dream, not really knowing where you want to go. But I have some more good news, that there is someone who has a bigger plan for your life than you'll ever imagine. And it's that God that is what? Crazy in love with us. You know, sometimes we have our plans and we have God's plans, and sometimes those plans start coming together, coming towards each other. And at some point, what's liable to happen to God's plans and my plans, they're going to collide, right? And when they do, one of two things can happen. Those plans can explode into God's wonderful plan for your life, and you take off and connect with God, and He starts doing awesome, wonderful things in your life, and life is good. But if you keep living your life and your plans and what you want to do, you're in for a major disaster. And I think how we handle that collision when God's plans and our plans come together is based on two pivotal questions. Is Jesus Christ, first of all, Savior of your life? Has there been a time when you recognize the fact that you were a sinner And that you are totally against this God that's crazy in love with you. And realize that Jesus Christ was the only one that could save you and reconcile you back to God. Romans 3.23 says, For we all have what? Sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says what? For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. 
1 John 4, 9 through 10 said, It wasn't because we loved God first. It was because what? God loved us first that he sent his son to die for us. While that first question is very important and very pivotal to the foundation of our faith and our salvation, I think the real test of our faith comes in the second question. Is Jesus Christ truly Lord of my life? John 14, 6, Jesus says what? I am the truth, the life, and the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, unless you do it my way, there is no way, right? Colossians 3, 1 through 5 says, if we are in Christ, then we should focus our mind on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father and not on the earthly things. Because focusing on the earthly things is only going to do what? It's only going to bring us down. There are many in this room this morning that have been to the foot of the cross. And you have felt that precious blood of Jesus Christ fall on you and cleanse you. You have felt Jesus take you up in his arms and hold you and love you and say, Welcome, my son. You will be with me forever. But the question I have this morning, is Jesus Lord of your life? This God that is crazy in love with you, that spared nothing to come and save you, when you were of no use to him, is he Lord of your life this morning? Well, Mike, what does it take? I, I mean, I, I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I, I'm good, right? Well, yeah, partly. But you see, if we were to take your heart this morning, and if it was a throne, and if we were somehow to look inside at the throne of your heart this morning, who would we see sitting on that throne? Would it be you? Or would it be Jesus? Because there's one thing for sure, we won't find both of you on that throne. Jesus says, if I can't have it all, I don't want any of it. If you're not willing to give it to me, then you continue to live your life the way you want to. In September of this year, my plans and God's plans started down the collision course. I knew it was coming. I knew I was going to be standing at a crossroads that was very familiar to me that I've been at two times before. And as I came closer and closer in my spirit, God began to ask me this question. Mike, what are you going to do with the time that I have left for you, for me, to make an impact for me? Not for you, not for anything you want, but for me. That's the same question he'd asked two other times before, too. But this time there was a little something different. I began to get this picture in my mind, and I could not get rid of it. It was a picture of me standing by a boat. And there were some fishing poles and nets and stuff all around there. And I was, I was working and doing something, putting lures on, whatever that means. And I was just standing there. And over to the side was Jesus. And he was just standing there like this. And with those piercing blue eyes, I don't know whether you've seen Jesus of Nazareth, but that guy has the most piercing blue eyes, and that's what I saw. And he was looking at me like to say, well, what are you waiting on? I knew then that things were getting ready to change. And I told my wife what was going on. I said, we really need to pray about God, what God wants in our life. Well, on September the 27th, my plans and God's plans collided. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. God began in my quiet time that day to unpack 
what he really meant by that second question. Because, see, I thought Jesus was Lord of my life. I really did. And, 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 and I believed it. And I think in a way he was to some extent, but not the way Jesus means for it here. Starting in verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boat on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Now the Spirit kind of said to me after I read this, Mike, this is real simple. You're trying to make this way harder than what it is. This is all about simple obedience. I'm saying, wait a minute. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't see all the stuff going on in my life. He says, just be quiet. It's all about simple obedience. And then he began that day to kind of unpack what he meant about being Lord of, his, Lord of his, my life. Jesus says, Mike, if I'm going to be Lord of your life, okay, if I'm going to be Lord of your life, the first thing is you must be close to me. Look at verse 3. Yes, it's not right. Okay. Getting into the boat, one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to pull out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, why did he choose Peter's boat? I mean, there were two boats there, possibly more boats there. But Jesus knew that that day something was getting ready to happen in Peter's life. Jesus wanted Peter to really understand and hear what he had to say. And he wanted Peter where? Right next to him. It says Jesus taught the people. Now, we don't know what... What Jesus was teaching, but like, uh, what's going on here, Jeff? I'm sorry. I'm not. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, he says, you must be close to me. So he wanted Peter close to him. And as Jesus always does, when he teaches, what does he use? He usually looks around and uses the things that people are familiar with, right? So probably he's talking about fishing boats. He's talking about the water, maybe talking about, you know, what they caught tonight. Before, we don't really know. But whatever it was he was talking about, he wanted Peter close to him. Now, this wasn't the first time that Peter and Jesus had met and talked about this disciple thing, okay? They'd met and talked about this a couple of other times. But this time, I believe as, Peter, as Jesus was teaching Peter was maybe in his mind mentally going back to those other times when he was talking about this, trying to put the pieces together. And maybe now the fog of what this discipleship thing was about was becoming clear to Peter, okay? But Jesus wanted Peter close to him so that this time he would hear what he wanted to hear. This morning, who's sitting in your boat with you? 
Who's, who's, who are you listening to this morning? What is your relationship with Jesus like today? Is it a casual relationship where, you know, when you get a little time, you'll read a little word. When you get a little time, you'll pray. Or maybe you're saying a blessing. Or, or It's just not anything consistent. Maybe it's an on and off relationship where you get really fired up for a couple of weeks and everything is going great. You're in the Word. You're praying. Then all of a sudden you get distracted and you're gone for three or four weeks. And then you come back on, off, on, off. Maybe your relationship is very intimate this morning with Jesus Christ, and that is great. How important is God's Word to you this morning? Is it important enough to carve out time every day to get in God's Word, to let Him speak to you through His Word and tell you what He wants you to hear? Not just checking off a reading plan for a year or reading a devotion, but really soaking in God's Word. How important is it to spend time with God in His presence? Because God wants you close to Him. The second thing is, look at verse 4 and 5. Jesus says, you must obey me despite your better judgment. And when they had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, I don't know how much time there was from Peter finishing his te- uh, Jesus finishing his teaching to him asking Peter to put out the nets. But I'm thinking maybe Peter's sitting down there mentally going through all that Jesus said. Things are coming together. And he kind of looks up at Jesus and says, huh, what'd you say? Put your boat out and let, yep, 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 that's what I thought you said. So Peter's now standing face to face with Jesus. And in his mind, he's going through his mental checklist, okay? I'm an expert fisherman. Been doing this all my life. He makes tables and chairs and cabinets. Nighttime fishing, best time fishing. I've, I've been there. That's, that's what I know. Good time, not a good time to fish. And he kind of catches out of the corner of his eye over the shore all of his partners and his friends, maybe his banker and the guy he sells the fish to, maybe his family. And he's saying, if I cast these nets over the side of this boat, they're going to think I've lost my mind. That's what's going through Peter's mind. And just like Peter, to buy a little time, he says, but master. You know, you know dude, man, we, man, we're tired. We've been fishing all night. We've caught nothing. We've cleaned these boats. We've cleaned these nets. Man, we're ready to go home and go to bed. Have you ever been challenged to make a decision that you knew was totally against what you were an expert at or what your experience was in? Because that's where Peter was. Peter says, I'm the expert fisherman here. I've been doing this for years. I know what this fishing stuff's all about. Do I do this? So Peter looks at the nets, he looks at the boat, looks at Jesus. He says, but master, because you say so, I will do it. Now, if I was Peter, here's what I would have done. Hey, guys, did you hear what he said? He said, put these nets out. I didn't say this now, okay? I, I didn't say this. He said this. So if anything goes wrong, it's all his fault. That's what I would have said. Well, Peter said, but at your calling and at your word, I will do so. And what happened? They caught miraculous catch of fish that day. Peter caught that great catch of fish because he was an expert fisherman, right? No. Because Peter did what? 
He obeyed God's word despite his better judgment. And everyone experienced a great catch that day. The fourth thing, third thing, you must maintain a heart of worship. What happened when Jesus caught caught these fish? He said he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, oh, what a sinful man I am. He saw the catch of fish, but that catch of fish quickly faded when he turned around and faced the one that was the source of that catch. He faced the one that even controlled the fish of the sea. Because I think that night before, Jesus had all them fish go to the other side of the lake so that at that exact time, at that exact moment, when Peter cast his nets over the boat, what happened? All the fish were there. You see, Peter realized what little of an expert fisherman he was. Peter also recognized the awesomeness of who was standing before him and asked him to cast his nets. Jesus has a wonderful plan for our life. And he says, if you hook up with me and you follow my plan, I'm going to do things in your life that are out of your control. Things are going to blow your socks off. Things you won't even believe are happening in your life. Because you see, a lot of people follow Jesus for that same reason. Because he healed people. He made the blind see, the lame walk, fed hundreds of thousands of people with just a couple of fish and a loaf of bread. God says, I'm going to do great things in your life. But don't get hung up in the miracles. Everything I do in your life is a miracle, and it's to bring glory to the Father. And when Peter realized that miracle catch, where did he find himself? On his knees, praising God. The last thing. Jesus says, if you want to be, if I'm going to be Lord of your life, you must be willing to leave everything and follow me. You see, in verse 10 through 11, I notice something that's, that's missing. From the time he says you'll be catching men instead of fish, and the time he pulls his boat up to the shore, there is no conversation. Peter doesn't ask, can I go tell my wife and children goodbye? Peter doesn't say, hey, Jesus, you know, where are we going? What's the schedule? When are we going to be back? How long are we going to be gone? What do I need to bring? He didn't say, do you mind if I go back to my banker and make sure all my accounts are in order and my, and, and my, my business is taken care of? They, he wasn't even concerned about the large catch of fish that was sitting there on the shore that somebody was going to make some money off of. There was not even a formal call from Jesus Christ to come and follow him. The miracle catch sealed it for Peter when he realized that he stood before the one that caused that miracle catch. Peter realized that that day Jesus Christ needed to be Lord of his life. I kind of to give you the rest of the stories Paul Harvey said. The week of September the 26th, my wife walked into the room one day and says, Mike, I got something I want to tell you. I want you to know that whatever God is calling us to do, I'm okay with it. You're probably saying, that's no, what's, ain't no big deal about that. Ain't what wives are supposed to say? Well, you don't r- realize that even a month before, my wife would never have said that because my wife likes comfortableness, okay? She liked things kind of in order, okay? So for her to say what she said, knowing what my heart was, was just God nailing that confirmation down. This wasn't a little bitty wife being submissive. This was, this was it. There was no doubt that God had put the final nail on that confirmation. October the 2nd, 
that night before we went to bed, we were getting ready to pray, and I said, Chris, I've got to ask you one question. You know what my heart is. You know what I want to do, and you know we've been here before. Are you doing this? Have you said what you've said to me because you want to make me happy, and you know this may not happen again? We may not come to this place again. She says, no way. She said, if I did that, I wouldn't honor God, and I wouldn't be fair to you. October the 3rd, Monday morning, I took my boat, all my tackle, and I pulled it up to the shore, tied it to a stake. Remember Jesus over here? I said, okay, it's all yours. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know where we're going. I don't have any idea what this looks like, but my life is all yours. That morning, I went to my office, walked into my boss's office, resigned my position as controller of the company that I was working for. Over the next two days, I had an opportunity to share what God had done over this last month in some of the key managers' life and hopefully planted some seeds. You see, God says he is crazy in love with me. I'm talking about crazy in love with me. He's crazy in love with everybody in this room this morning. How crazy are you in love with him? Are you as close to Jesus this morning as you want to be? I mean, are you really crazy in love with him? Or is your relationship kind of casual, on off, whenever you find time? Is Jesus making the decisions in your life this morning? Is he sitting in this boat with you this morning and calling the shots? Or are you looking at him and saying, no, nah, you know what? I got a better plan. My expertise is a little better. Uh-uh. Do you maintain a heart of worship towards Almighty God despite everything that comes into your life? Are you so crazy in love with God this morning that there's nothing that's so important that you would not leave it, completely abandon it, to follow Jesus Christ? You see... If, you're, if, if Jesus Christ is your Savior this morning, that's great. You felt God welcome you into his arms and tell you how much he loves you. And yeah, you're, self, you're, you're saved from eternal damnation and hell. And the blood has covered you and forgiven your sins. But this morning, who are you listening to this morning? Who's sitting in the boat with you? Take this time to ask Jesus, what is it that you really want from me to make you Lord of my life? Now, you may be in here this morning and Savior means nothing to you. Don't, what's the Savior, what's that mean? You've never been to the cross. I invite you, like Peter, to come have a seat in the boat. Get up close to Jesus. Let him talk to you. Let him tell you how crazy in love he is with you. Let him tell you about that wonderful plan he has for your life because, guys, it's exciting what God can do in our life. Accept his invitation to come and follow him this morning. Let's pray. Father God, none of us deserves the grace that you freely lavish upon us. And Father, we sometimes are so quick to say that Jesus is our Savior. 
that we've been to the altar, we've, we've prayed and asked Jesus to come into our life, and after that, not much changes. But Father, the challenge this morning is for us to deal with this Lordship thing. Is Jesus Christ Lord of my life so much that there is nothing that He would find in my life that would make me unworthy of Him? Because while we were of no use to you, you laid your love on the line through the sacrificial death of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray this morning, Father, that you will speak to hearts, that no one will leave here this morning with any doubt of whether Jesus is Savior of their life or whether He's Lord of their life. Because it means all about eternity. We thank you and we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.